Morning, Orlando. Good Friday morning and welcome aboard at 6 o'clock. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch for our first check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, Trump claims he knows nothing about a hush money payment to Stormy. Details are coming up in one minute. And Pulse nightclub survivors file suit against Facebook and Twitter. I'll tell you why this is important next on Good Morning Orlando. 601 on News Radio 1025. President Trump is making his first comments about Stormy Daniels. Aboard Air Force One, the president told reporters he does not know why his attorney paid the adult film star $130,000 as part of a hush agreement. Well, you have to ask Michael Cohen. Michael's my attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael Cohen. The White House continues to deny President Trump had the affair with Daniels, whose real name is Stephanie Clifford. She claims it happened back in 2006, long before he was president, but after he had married Melania and she had given birth to his son, Barron. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Parents are on alert in an Orange County neighborhood as deputies look for a man who tried to grab a 14-year-old girl from her bus stop near Edgewater Drive and Lee Road Wednesday morning. Fortunately, the Lockhart Middle School student was able to get away from the suspect, who is described as about 6 feet tall, 30 to 40 years old, with gray stubble on his beard. Parents worry he may strike again. The National Transportation Safety Board says a wing did indeed fall off a small airplane before it crashed in Volusia County Wednesday morning, killing both people on board. Deborah Roberts has more. Investigators shared the information at a briefing confirming what witnesses said they saw before the accident. The NTSB is now trying to determine what made the wing come off during takeoff near Daytona Beach International Airport. A student trainee from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and an FAA flight instructor died in the crash. Deborah Roberts, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Boy, I got to tell you, that's absolutely frightening to think of that. I mean, we, engine failure, I think, with small planes we're familiar with or whatever, yeah. problems with bad weather. I can't remember a wing falling off a no. plane like that. Or landing gear, that kind of thing. Yeah. But a Boy, wing just dropping off. You have no chance in that scenario, obviously. Yes. A man is in critical condition after a golf cart crash in Osceola County. Michael Patrick was a passenger in the golf cart that was hit by a car yesterday morning near St. Cloud. FHP says the cart pulled out in front of the car, which could not stop in time, and Patrick was ejected. Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi says she'll be asking an appeals court in Atlanta to overrule a federal judge in Tallahassee who's ordered the state to change the clemency process. Florida's system for restoring the voting rights of former felons has been described as a relic of the Jim Crow era, but Bondi says it's her job to defend it. We have been following the law. We firmly believe it is the law in the state of Florida, and we plan on enforcing the laws. Um, And that's what I do as chief legal officer of the state of Florida. So yes, we are appealing it, and we will appeal it um, to the highest court. One and a half million Floridians who've already paid their debt to society still cannot vote. And the clemency process can take more than a decade. I tell you, I like Pam Bondi, I like the governor, but they're on the wrong side of this issue. I've campaigned for years for us to do what most states do. Simply, when you pay your debt to society, you don't owe anything else. Right. You get all the rights back, including this one. Yeah. No more debt, no more bills. You get to vote. There you go. Jordan Spieth is atop the leaderboard after the first round of the Masters. He shot a 666 at Augusta National Two shots clear of Tony Finau and Winter Park native Matt Kuchar. 
Playing his first Masters in three years, Tiger Woods opened with a 1 over 73. It was interesting. It was up and down for me today. I had uh, some opportunities to make some birdies and didn't do it. Um, I played the par fives very sloppily today. Tiger on ESPN. Defending Masters champ Sergio Garcia had five balls roll off the green into the water on the 15th hole, shooting an 8 over 13 on that one hole. It was unbelievable. I was watching that, and it was his identical shots that all rolled off the green and into the water. I mean, it looked like they were replaying the same video, but it was he kept putting it in the same place time after time. It reminded me of the movie Tin Cup, where it wasn't the, 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 the golf movie with Kevin Costner where he just you know kept on yes. hitting the same bad shot and, and piling up the score at, at one point. In the, this was the real-life Tin Cup. And he's just out of it. The defending champ is gone. Yeah, he finished uh, his round at uh, 9 over 81. Probably not going to repeat as champ at the Masters. Well, the shame is he was 9 over for the whole round. He was 8 over on that one hole, so he's only 1 over I know. the rest of the tournament. He just lost his mind for one hole, and that was it. Wow. WFLA News Time is 6.06. A Patriots wide receiver thwarts a would-be school attack in Michigan. That story's online at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Always great to have Alan Spector with us on Fridays. We don't have Stephanie with us taking your calls this morning. Yaffe will be doing double duty as our executive producer and our call screener. She and uh, a good friend of hers are invading South Florida for a long weekend of R&R. Do we need a chorus of Connie Francis's Where the Boys Are yeah, at I this point? I think we might. I th- you know, I think that might be appropriate. I just feel bad we didn't warn South Florida that they were coming. Yeah. Nobody put I the f- word out? No, to- I feel I feel awful. They deserve some kind of warning. Hurricane Stephanie yeah. on yeah. the way. <laughs> well, and, the other, and her friend is named Stephanie, so it's dueling Stephanie's. It's going to be a double hit down Yikes. in Fort Lauderdale. Well, uh, listen, if they can handle what goes on down there with spring break, maybe, maybe they have what it takes to deal with the dueling steps. We'll we, see. We can only hope, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, we'll catch you a little bit later for news at the bottom of the hour. And um, if you want to uh, talk about whatever it is we're discussing, um, Yaffe will be, as I say, taking your calls at 407-916-5400. Text line is always open, never busy, 23680, but there, standard message and data rates apply. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Stay tuned right now for your shot at winning your share of 480000 bucks in cash during our ongoing Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Listen for the new keyword of the hour. It's coming up in seconds. Then I want you to text that word to 200 200 Yes, you could be our next $1,000 winner. You'll recall we had one just a short time ago up in Volusia County. So why not you? A lawsuit filed on behalf of 16 Pulse nightclub massacre survivors. And why, while I think they will not win the suit, I think this is so important. Coming right up, along with my first update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Gaffey, we've been wondering how long Scott could hold out. I mean, he's got the name recognition. He could self-fund the whole thing if he wanted to, so he's got those hurdles cleared. You know, but there are debates taking shape, and the clock is ticking, and Monday is going to be the day. This is going to be some kind of race, an opportunity 
for the Republicans to flip a seat in the United States Senate, and they sure need that. The margin is slim at 51-49. And frankly, I think Rick Scott has a very good chance of winning. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too, because I think voters, voters gravitate to people who seem to manage crises efficiently. And the way he handled the hurricane season, I think, was almost universally praised. And, um, and, and recently, you know, in the wake of the Parkland massacre, taking the initiative to get some legislation, as controversial as some of it is, through the Florida legislature. I mean, he was all over that story. You can't deny it. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been a perfect governor, but no. those kind of things are what the everyday Floridian notices yeah. and will probably vote for him for. Yeah, I know you'll be talking about it next week. I'm going to be off. My wife's having a knee replacement on Monday, and I want to be with her for um, uh, a couple of the early days. So you'll be hosting the show Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Linda's going to be better than new, but it's just going to take a while, as you well know, if you've been through it and you know anyone who has. Um, but with the new technology and medicine and with this wonderful doctor she has, Dr. Hudanich, it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. So we're looking forward to her being better than ever. Now, um, okay, here we go. This is an interesting story that caught my attention, okay? It's not getting a whole lot of media coverage, but... 16 Pulse nightclub massacre survivors have filed a lawsuit through an attorney up in Michigan against Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube's parent company, Google. This was filed in Orlando Federal Court this Wednesday. Another suit like this was thrown out by a judge. I don't think this will ultimately prevail, but I will tell you why. I don't think they'll win the suit. But I'll tell you why I think this is so important. Because I've been telling you since the beginning that the Pulse nightclub massacre was an attack by a radical Islamic terrorist, Omar Mateen. Radical Islamic terrorism here in Orlando with 49 people killed in the name of ISIS and Allah. But it has been presented to us by gay activists as a hate crime aimed at this oppressed minority. Of course, Pulse Nightclub, a gay nightclub. But as it came out during the trial, Omar Mateen did not know that was a gay nightclub. A lot of gays died, and that's a terrible tragedy, and that needs to be part of the narrative, and a big part of it, no question, I've never said otherwise. But the fact of the matter is, it's been... It's been denied, it's been suppressed, it's been ignored. The reality of the fact, he wanted to kill as many Americans as he could to help the cause of radical Islamic terrorism. We know that. He said that night, as he was engineering the massacre, that he was a soldier for ISIS. Well, now, in the wake of what came out of the North Salman trial, 16 Pulse nightclub survivors undoubtedly, some if not all of whom are gay because Pulse catered to the gay community. Anybody could get in, but this was, this was their market, you know? They are acknowledging, by virtue of signing on to this lawsuit, the reality that has so often been denied as to what the Pulse nightclub massacre was really all about. And I think that's important Because moving forward, as plans take shape, ultimately for a permanent Pulse nightclub memorial, which I support, you've got survivors of this attack, many of whom undoubtedly are gay, 
acknowledging the reality confirmed in court in the Solomon trial that I have been talking about for the better part of two years. Hopefully, we will have balance in the telling of the Pulse nightclub horror that we have not had. And that's why I think this lawsuit, though I probably it probably will not prevail, I don't think they'll succeed with it. I think it's very, very important. That's the point I'm making. If you agree or disagree or want to comment, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. There, standard message data rates apply, of course. I just wanted to more fully explain in that headline exactly why they filed suit, the Pulse nightclub survivors, against these social media platforms there, okay? Uh, that it's that kind of propaganda that um, Omar Mateen um, uh, availed himself of that, that caused him to become fully radicalized and activate as a mass killer in the name of um, radical Islam, ISIS, and Allah. Okay, that's the explanation there. Dustin, you're on the Space Coast. Good Friday morning, and uh, thank you for joining us on Good Morning Orlando, Dustin. Hey, how's it going, bud? It's going fine. How are you out there? Uh, we're doing pretty good out here. Just good. A little early morning, getting ready to go. Good. Talk to me. Hey, um, yeah, I wanted to touch base with you. Um, I, you know, I agree with everything that you're saying about the whole motive behind the situation. And I just wanted to, to clarify something. I, I, you know, I recall when it was, this was all going on, when it was all fresh, that there were rumors speculating, probably by you know the liberal. It's just another way for them to use a tragedy to their advantage, like the Parkland shooting. Uh, they were saying that uh, that Omar was was gay himself, and that had visited the nightclub and yeah. was rejected by the gay community, and that's why he he retaliated on him. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't think I remember that, and, uh, and, and none, none of that, none of that was ever validated. Uh, yeah, well, I, I know it wasn't, but I, I know I, I heard it. I, heard I, I did it quite too. a few times. There was uh, a lot that of that going case. on out there because the gay activists were trying to hijack the narrative and make it all about being anti-gay and ignore the reality that we identified early on, confirmed in testimony in court. Thank you, Dustin, very much. Alan, good morning to you from Orlando. Good morning, bud, man. Uh, question. Uh, do you think that the, uh, these 16 Pulse survivors would, uh, would, would still have filed a lawsuit had the verdict been different in the North South? No, I don't think so. Probably not. They would have considered they got whatever passes for justice if she were convicted and put away for the rest of her life like I think she should have been. I don't think they would have been. I don't know. We'll never know that, will we? Hmm. I don't I think so. Had, I, I heard that they had filed before. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I wasn't I'm, sure. If, I wasn't sure if they had tried to file a lawsuit before. What against the whole North- uh, uh, against against the social media platforms? Yeah. Well, yeah, they had they yeah, had was, a, they had a case ju- that recently through a Michigan lawyer that was thrown out by a judge. Okay, and now they're trying again through Orlando federal court. Um, but it's a very recent thing. I'm not aware of anything that goes back into the trial. Yaffe, are you in that regard? No, no. no. Okay. No, I think good. you're exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Hey, listen, the um, National Border Patrol Council, um, and, and this is the organization that represents all the border agents on the, on the Mexican border right now, recently surveyed about what we needed to, to do down there that isn't being done in the way of, uh, you know, protecting the border of this sovereign nation from illegal immigrants coming into our country in violation of, uh, of, of our sovereignty, drugs that are coming in, uh, the potential for terrorists to come into this country. And the Border Patrol agents, according to the Washington Times, reporting on this survey of the agents, 89% of them want the wall that Trump is endlessly frustrated 
by not being able to get done. Who would know better than the border agents who work every day along the Mexican border whether there is whether there is merit in the Trump border wall, Yaffe? These are the people who have the firsthand experience the rest of us will never have. 89% say, oh, yeah, we need the wall. <laughs> Isn't that astounding? And that, That's quite a number. It is. You know, there's no debate what they <laughs> what they believe. 89%. Yeah. yeah. Keep in mind, an election landslide is 60% I, in this country. I know. Country. Exactly right. 89. So, 89%. That's really telling. You know, if they thought this thing is a joke, it's not the way to go, we need to do other things, that would be in the survey. These people aren't all in Trump's hip pocket. You know they're not. They're just doing their jobs down there, and they know what it's going to take to deal with the border situation. Wanted you to know. Alan Spector bringing us the news on Fridays, and he has news of a search continuing for the suspect in an Orange County crime spree. And the first forecast for the upcoming hurricane season is out. What are they predicting? We're about to find out from Alan. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good Friday morning, and uh, it is 629 now here on News Radio 1025 WFLA and AM 540. Particularly folks in Central Florida, Alan, need to uh, listen closely to your first story here as we update the news at 630. Take it away. Bud, the search continues for a man who's been terrorizing people in Orange County. Police have been looking for the unidentified suspect since last weekend when they say he robbed a Dunkin' Donuts in downtown Orlando. The crime spree continued to include more armed robberies, a shooting, two carjackings, including one where he pistol-whipped his victim. Police say the man is, obviously, extraordinarily dangerous. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Child advocates say there are some disturbing trends in the Sunshine State, so they've started a new campaign to raise awareness among politicians and the public. The latest survey of child well-being ranks Florida as 40th in the nation. And Roy Miller with the Children's Campaign says it's been dropping for more than a decade. We have more children mired in deep poverty than ever before. Those numbers aren't improving. We have more families that are just one missed paycheck away from being in that situation themselves. So, yes, I mean, you know, Florida is struggling. Miller says it won't get better until Florida's politicians come up with more money for things like child protection, foster care, mental health services, and prenatal programs. Forecasters are predicting the upcoming hurricane season will be an active one. However, it is not expected to be as bad as the brutal 2017 season. Colorado State University's Tropical Meteorology Project is calling for seven hurricanes. Three of them could be Category 3 or higher, and 14 named storms are possible. Of course, the hurricane season begins June 1st. I never know what to do with that prediction information because the whole key is not how many you have, but where they wind up, you know, and there's no way to know that. And this is the first forecast of the season. It's going to change as uh, as time goes by. As we move toward June 1st in the official start, and then even beyond that, they revise them. So take it for what it's worth, which is uh, almost nothing. <laughs> the end of spring break means the sprint to prom and graduation season, and AAA is working to make sure young people have a long time to cherish those memories The outfit is rolling out its Promise program, which provides material for the schools and encourages parent-student communication. 
It really hinges on some material that the student can take home and have a conversation with their parent to make sure that there's a plan in place in case uh, the student doesn't feel they can get home safely on prom night or on grad night or any, any night in between. That's Matt Nasworthy of AAA in Tampa. He says communication is key, and that means making sure the kids know they can talk to their parents honestly without fear of backlash. A music legend is retiring earlier than expected. Kenny Rogers knows when to fold them. Know when to walk away, know when to run. The 79-year-old cut short his two-year Gambler's Last Deal farewell tour due to health concerns. The tour, which kicked off in 2016, had eight concerts left. Rogers' rep says he has been working through a series of health challenges. His doctors fully expect the outcome to be great, but they have advised him to cancel all performances through the end of the year to focus on recuperation. Rogers announced his plans to retire after one final tour in 2015. Michelle Polino, Fox News. Even though he's cutting that tour short, a great long career for Kenny Rogers, which I fondly remember him beginning as a rock and roll star. Remember Kenny Rogers in the first edition? Yes, absolutely. Just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Yes, yeah. yeah Almost a psychedelic sound. Yeah, he'll live forever through his songs, no doubt about it, Alan. WFLA News Time is 636. I'm Alan Spector, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. With Gina Cervetti joining us live in the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City with a Friday Bloomberg Business Report. Gina, good morning. I'll bet you were relieved to see a relatively quiet day on Wall Street yesterday after all of the chaos in recent weeks. What can you tell us on the stock report? Yes, but oh, how the mood changes so quickly. We have the volatility back this morning, but I'm afraid to say the stock futures with the Dow down 160 points right now. Uh, The European markets falling. President Donald Trump ordered his administration to consider tariffs on another 100 billion worth of Chinese imports. This happened yesterday. China responded, saying it would counter U.S. protectionism, quote, at any cost. So that's where we are this morning. But as you pointed out, tensions did appear to ease up yesterday, sending the Dow up 241 points. It closed at 24,505. The S&P gained 18, or about 7 tenths percent, to 26.63. The Nasdaq up 34 to 70.77. And the Bloomberg Orlando Index did a little better than the broader market, rising 1.2 percent. And as you've been telling us this week, today is the day we get some information on uh, the job market across America. What can you tell us this morning by way of advancing this story? We have the March employment report from the Labor Department due an hour before Wall Street's opening bell. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg are looking for a payrolls increase of 185,000. That would be a substantial pullback from the greater than expected number that we saw in February. Now, the jobless rate is expected to slip from 4.1 to 4 percent. Something else that investors will be watching today, Fed Chair Jerome Powell is scheduled to give a speech on the economic outlook during a visit to Chicago. And I know you have an update for us now. A lot of folks will remember uh, when Johnson & Johnson uh, was facing some legal action by people who were saying that its talcum powder caused cancer. I guess the results are in on uh, on this lawsuit. What do you know? Yeah, this is a particular lawsuit involving an investment banker. Uh, A New Jersey state jury says that Johnson & Johnson and a Telk mining company must pay this man at least $37 million. He blamed the company's products for a deadly cancer linked to asbestos. Jurors concluded the two companies hid that their talc-based products had been tainted by asbestos 
and helped to cause Stephen Lanzo III's disease. This verdict is the first time a jury has backed a consumer's claims that the company's baby powder causes mesothelioma. About 6,600 women have sued Johnson & Johnson, blaming the powder for causing their ovarian cancers. Big story there, and a retailer has added its name to the so far short list of companies saying customer information was breached because of a cyber intrusion of a contractor. Uh, tell mm -hmm. us about this one, if you will, Gina. Yes, the same contractor at the center of data breaches involving Delta Airlines and Sears customers now being blamed by Best Buy for comprising, uh, compromising customer data. Best Buy says it looks like it's a small fraction of online customers affected, but it's still trying to figure out the extent. Delta said that several hundred thousand customers were affected. Sears said it was fewer than a hundred thousand in a breach that happened last fall. All right, Yaffe and all the rest of you millennials out there, listen up as Gina wraps up the business report with news of a student lender planning to target young Americans with new products. What's this all about? Yeah, this is a company called Social Finance, also known as SoFi. says it will start offering deposit accounts and debit cards to some customers next month. It's one of the nation's largest student loan refinancing businesses. It has ambitions, though, to beat traditional banks by targeting millennials with products, even mortgages at some point. All right, Gina, thank you so much. I know you're going to enjoy some well-deserved time off next week. Joan Doniger will be in. We'll miss you, but uh, enjoy your time away and uh, take good care of yourself. All right. Thank you, bud. You too. Talk uh, to you soon. All right. Good deal. Coming right up here, we've been talking about the incredible and really unexpected level of success of Roseanne's rebooted television show brought back after a 21-year absence. How do you explain the ratings for Roseanne going through the roof. What drives that? A Hollywood actor has an interesting take on it that I think is worthy of our consideration. We'll share that with you coming right up after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So we've now had the first three episodes of the rebooted Roseanne show, Midwestern Blue Collar Family. Uh, Roseanne Barr and um, John Goodman and the rest of the cast, almost all of them are the same people as they had portraying the roles in the show that ran for about 10 years and wrapped up 21 years ago. They brought it back. And I think in now maybe I've been a little shallow in my assessment uh, of, of why the ratings have been just through the roof. I mean, blowing everybody away. Linda and I liked the show. I particularly liked the first episode. Because she came off as what she is in her real life, Roseanne Barr, her character in the show, Roseanne Connor, as being pro-Trump. And all of a sudden you had, you know, you had the, the Trump point of view, the conservative point of view expressed on a show in primetime television, which we never saw before, or very seldom. But I think there may be more to it. For those of you who aren't familiar with what's going on on the rebooted and brought back to Incredible acclaim, The Roseanne Show. Here's a little bit of that. Most of all, Lord, thank you for making America great again. Mom, no, it's okay, darling. How could you have voted for him, Roseanne? He talked about jobs, Jackie. He said he'd shake things up. Have you looked at the news? Because now things are worse. Not on the real news. Oh. You know, in that same house now, they got liberals and they got conservatives. And they mix it up. But you know what? They can disagree and still love each other. And that is the point that is made by Hollywood actor Rob Lowe. 
Um, and this is one of the few Hollywood guys with his head screwed on right. Here's what he put out on Twitter. I think he's got something here. The secret to Roseanne's massive ratings is that it celebrates people with huge political differences who are able to laugh and love together as they passionately disagree. I'm telling you, I think there's a lot of merit to that. Because I think a lot of us, you know, we have family gatherings. You have to declare what we essentially do. It's a politics-free zone because everybody gets so mad at each other if you talk politics, you know, that, that all of a sudden, you know, tears a family apart. And Roseanne shows that you can have those disagreements, but that you can still stay under the same roof and still love one another. And that people wish they could do that in their own families, and they have a hard time with it, but it's great to watch it happen as depicted in the new Roseanne show. There are other perspectives, um, people I respect, who are explaining the stunning success of the uh, revival of the Roseanne show. But do you think Rob Lowe has it right? What is it that appeals to you about the Roseanne show? 407-916-5400. If you haven't watched it, I suggest you do at least once, okay? 407-916-5400. The text line, 23680. Yaffe and I think Rob Lowe has... uh, is speaking some truth there. Kind of opened my eyes to another perspective on what's driving the success of the Roseanne revival. Yeah, but you brought it to my attention, Hollywood actor Rob Lowe, with his perspectives on what's driving the rating success of the uh, revival of the Roseanne show. And he said the secret to the massive ratings is that the show celebrates people with huge political differences who are able to laugh and love together as they passionately disagree you know and and i think there's something to that yeah i think there is as well i think there was a lot of promotion for the show ahead of time and that was one thing that they talked about in promoting the show that this was going to be a part of the show and there's so many families out there that are dealing with this oh, on yeah. a personal basis sure, we so are. It, yeah it kind of reflects what we're dealing with so we want to see how they deal with it and they did a pretty good job we don't deal with it that way i wish that we had the you know, the courage to do it and the confidence yeah. to do it. We we declare pretty much a politics-free zone and talk about other things, you know. But it's the elephant in the room all the time. They deal with the elephant in the room. And exactly. Roseanne. And, and I, I think that's... And I like that. I do, too. I think a lot of people like that. Andrew, you're on the line from Orlando. What's driving the success of the Roseanne revival? I think, but it's pure entertainment, but also our shows from back in the day were better. You know, if Archie was around and we can relaunch Archie Bunker, I'm sure that show will have high ratings, too. I got to tell you, that show, when you catch it on reruns, is, you know, is is a better part of 50 years old, and it is a riot. All right, and I still watch it. And you're you're black, and the main character's a bigot, and you'll still watch it. I still watch Archie, you know, even the (laughs) Jeffersons and everything. So our shows were better back then anyway, but and what Rob Lowe say, in theory, that is so true. It should be, but we all know politics is a dirty, nasty kick. Let me me ask you, Andrew, when you have family gatherings, do you talk about current-day politics? Yes. And do you have do. people with different views within the family, or are they all oh, on one my, side? My my sister, my father, and my other sisters, all of them is military. So they're usually on the other side of me on a lot of things. How does that go? 
oh, we, we laugh about it, we talk about it, and we, we we always been like that in the household. Well, you know what we need to do? We need to put you on television. We'll have the Andrew Show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Also, off the Rob Lowe analysis of the success of the um, of the uh, Roseanne Show, Mark Hemingway of the Weekly Standard um, tweets the following. The issue isn't that the show caters to conservatives. It just gives them a seat at the table rather than pretending half of America is backwards or doesn't exist. You got the liberals in the family, and, you know, that gets portrayed all the time, all over the place, almost exclusively by the liberals who put these television shows on the air in prime time. But there's some balance here, and that is welcome and refreshing, and conservatives gravitate to that. Daily Wire editor-in-chief Ben Shapiro, um, he said... This is what the Hollywood left and Hillary Clinton have never understood. It's not that the right wants their approval. It's that the right doesn't want to be characterized as ignorant and evil, as they almost always have been. Roseanne and Trump were both cultural figures who aren't buying into that characterization. They are both winning because of it. That's good perspective, yeah, too, Yaffe. He's exactly right on that. Yeah. He's exactly right. Yep, absolutely. I still think Last Man Standing, Tim Allen's show, did a better job of it. And I wish that one was more successful. And I wish they'd bring it back. But it's good to see Roseanne's having yeah, some success. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, and I didn't watch it on a regular basis, but Yaffe did. I mean, we had the Tim Allen character was, oh, politically, you conservative, show, was politically conservative. I got to get to bed after all the show prep to get up in the middle of the night <laughs> to come in here. Anyway, anyway, um, and ABC took it off the air, which they never would normally do with ratings as high as that, and they didn't want conservatism um, being portrayed in a positive way. I'm convinced of that. be interesting to see how much they want the money that Roseanne will bring now that they've extended it for at least a year or whether they'll eventually shut it down because they don't like seeing conservatism portrayed positively. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. And we shall hear the news on Fridays from Alan Spector. He joins us in a moment with President Trump saying he knows nothing of a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. Florida appealing an order to revamp its system for restoring voting rights to former felons. Good morning, Orlando. Good Friday morning to you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. It is 6.59. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you on a beautiful Friday here at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right now on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, the president says he didn't know. We'll have details coming up in one minute. Question of the hour. Will social media be the death of us? My take and yours straight ahead on Good Morning Orlando. 703 on News Radio 1025. That's President Trump on Air Force One denying any knowledge of a hush money payment to porn star Stormy Daniels. The president told reporters he has no idea where the $130,000 came from, referring questions to attorney Michael Cohen, who says he made that payment. Stormy Daniels says the money was part of a hush agreement to keep quiet about an affair that happened over a decade ago. Trump has denied having an affair with Stormy Daniels. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A plane's maintenance record may offer clues as to the cause of a deadly crash in Volusia County. The National Transportation Safety Board says a wing fell off the plane before it went down shortly after takeoff from Daytona Beach International Airport on Wednesday morning. Killed were an Embry-Riddle student and an FAA examiner. 
Florida's Attorney General is defending her decision to defend the state's clemency process for restoring voting rights to former felons. A federal judge says it violates the First and Fourteenth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution, and he's ordered the governor and cabinet to fix it by the end of the month. But Bondi says her job is to protect the Florida Constitution. My legacy is following the laws of the state of Florida. This is my duty to the Constitution. When I put my hand on a Bible, I swore to protect the Constitution of the state of Florida and our laws, and that's what I'm doing. Bondi's appealing the judge's order to the federal court in Atlanta. If she fails, she'll ask the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene. There's going to be a constitutional amendment on the November ballot now because a petition drive got enough signatures, and if 60% of the people approve... Um, we will change the way we do this, and voting rights will be restored when you have done your time for the crime, as is so in most other states. Right, Alan? That's right, bud. Social media is being sued by survivors of the Pulse nightclub shooting. A lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, and Google was filed yesterday in Orlando Federal Court, claiming the tech giants aided and provided support to ISIS and profited from posting ads on ISIS posts. A similar suit by families of Pulse victims was dismissed by a judge in Michigan last week. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says it could be a case of poaching in Brevard County. Rockledge residents found a headless 10-foot alligator dumped in their neighborhood yesterday. The gator's tail was also cut off. Jordan Spieth fired a 6-under par 66 to take the lead after round one of the Masters at Augusta National. I think quick starts are important in any event. It's it's not unique to the Masters at all. It's it's any tournament. If you get off to a good start, you're you're in control of your own fate versus, you know, needing a little bit of help. So it was a really good start. Spieth is two shots up on Tony Finau and Winter Park's own Matt Kuchar. Tiger Woods came in at one over seventy three in his first Masters in three years. But the biggest story might have been defending champ Sergio Garcia, who had five balls roll off the green into the water on the 15th hole, shooting an 8-over-13 on that one hole. It's one of those things. Um, I, um, I feel like, I don't know, it's, uh, it's the first time in my career where I make a 13 without missing a shot. Simple as that. You know, I felt like I hit a lot of good shots, and unfortunately the ball just didn't want to stop. The ball just didn't want to stop. Well, if you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result, I think Einstein, it's his quote, that's the definition of insanity. He just repeated the same shot, and it did the same thing. It just rolled down the hill and into the water. I mean, he didn't make any adjustments, and the defending champ is out. Uh, He'll always be remembered for winning his first major after all those years. Last year, it was the Masters, and for that unbelievable scene 13 shots in one hole yesterday. He'll was, be more remembered for that. I think you're probably right. By the way, Albert Einstein, one of our top golf commentators of all time. Yes. WFLA <laughs> news time is 7.07. An elected official is accused of berating a teenage girl for wearing a Trump T-shirt. That story's online at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yes, I can hear him now, you know. Albert Einstein on the 18th green. E equals MC squared. Yeah, yeah. All of the principles will be in, you know, as he makes the putt here, gravity will prevail. Watch it happen. Dilly dilly. <laughs> dilly dilly. 
Hey, you know what? That was a banned phrase yesterday. I don't think anybody got thrown out of Augusta National. I kept on listening for it. They said, we'll throw you out if you say that. Yeah, I didn't hear it. I didn't either. I was listening. I'll be watching again today. The Masters was just terrific. Alan Spector with the news on Friday's top and bottom of the hour here in Good Morning Orlando and whenever it breaks. And Yaffe is doing double duty in the control room. Steph's off for a couple of days. And he'll be taking your calls at 407-916-5400 or text us at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. A lot of controversy surrounding the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, etc. these days. And an interesting question, and I'd like to know your answer to it. Will social media ultimately be the death of us? Think about that for a moment. And... um Listen to what I have to say on behalf of a, a voice that is making that case, I think, quite eloquently. We'll have that as Good Morning Orlando rolls into hour number two here for the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Stay tuned right now, though, for your shot at winning your share of $480,000 in gold cash in our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. How do you get in on this? Listen right now for the brand new keyword of the hour, then text that word to 200 200 you could be our next $1,000 winner. We had one up in Deltona just a couple of weeks ago, so why not you? We'll have that keyword, and we'll have an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, of course, in only two minutes. Hope you'll stay with us here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Will social media be the death of us, literally? We're talking about social media platforms. I mean, used on a regular basis, almost on a continual basis in many cases, you know, by millions worldwide, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, social media platforms, all the controversy over social media and uh, data breaches, etc., and all of that in the news prompted this article to be penned by a renowned novelist, uh, Roger Simon, who is an Academy Award-nominated screenwriter and the co-founder of PJ Media, and he poses the question, will social media be the death of us, literally? You know, and it's interesting because, you know, most technological innovations over time have simply just made it easier, more convenient, or safer for us to do things. You know, we invent the airplane. We can get places faster. You know, certain medicines are developed that save lives, and it goes on and on and on. But it occurs to me, as I read Roger Simon's piece, and I'll give you excerpts in a moment, that social media fundamentally changes how we relate to ourselves, to each other, and to the whole world, and that we're not handling that very well. And that's because you're asking for a wrenching change in, 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 in the way human beings are wired, overnight almost. All of this has been upon us now for barely 10 years, social media. Roger Simon says, and he, does, he pegs all of this article to that nut job woman who went on the shooting spree and killed herself, at the, killed herself at the YouTube headquarters out in California just a few days ago. She hated YouTube because, you know, she posted constant bizarre videos there. She used to make money off them, and then they filtered her, and they, they cut down on her ability to make that kind of money, and she didn't like it. He writes, uh, Simon does, that privacy isn't only dead, it is decomposed. Um, Google's acquisition of YouTube inspired an obvious sociopath, this chick out at YouTube headquarters, Nassim Agdam, 
to act out wildly, killing one individual and severely wounding several others. The question emerges, would this sociopathic woman have gone on this rampage were it not for the very existence of YouTube or social media in general, no matter what the policies of those organizations? She sat alone in a room making videos for thousands, even millions that she never met. Unlike on a film set, she could do much of her work alone without much or even any feedback from colleagues. So many people have this solitary existence on social media. There's nobody else really with them. Simon writes, few if any live people were in evidence for an unbalanced personality, and there were many of them we know. This is a prescription for disaster. All sorts of ideas can float through the brain. Misunderstandings proliferate without verifiable feedback, and the results are what we saw out at YouTube headquarters. There's another question he raises that I think is the big one here. Was the human species evolved over millions of years to deal able to deal with the rapidly advancing technological world we live in? Are we ready for this? Are we capable of this? Most of human history, humanity has existed in small groups or tribes. People like Nassam Agdam were often protected from the worst impulses by those who were surrounding them. Now, no one is surrounding them. They're alone. More than ever, no one sees them. No one relates to them personally, face-to-face. They are free to weave their fantasies irrespective of reality. When things go wrong, heaven help us. Social media, he concludes, is anything but social. So where does that leave us? No place good, I'm afraid, he writes. As a species, we are playing catch-up. Our DNA is not ready, has not yet been evolved for what is suddenly before us with social media. And we may not be ready for centuries or millennia. So the question is, will social media be the death of us, literally? What do you think? i got to ask Yaffe on this score because he is all over social media, which I manage to avoid. What do you think? We'll have your intake on this, and we'll talk with Yaffe in just a moment. Will social media ultimately be the death of us? We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic updated in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. You know, I'm not just universally condemning social media by raising this question Will social media be the death of us literally? I mean, there's a lot of good things. I mean, it connects us to people in a way we've never been able to stay connected with. You know, family and friends far flung. You know, you don't lose track of them like you used to do. And, um, and and it's a wonderful thing, and it has many, many benefits. But I really do worry that it is unlike any other technological innovation, Yaffe, as I said, um, in that um, it fundamentally changes the way we relate to the world, to each other, and frankly, to ourselves. And, and I don't know whether the organism, the human organism, is ready for that. You know, looking back in the history of humanity, there probably have been, it seems like every time there's a major technological innovation, you get periods of instability. I don't know. I I, I disagree with that. I think most inventions just make life easier and we go on, you know, instead of candles, we mm -hmm. have electric lights, you know, and uh, and now we have a telephone that makes it easier to stay in touch or an airplane to get here and there faster, an automobile instead of a horse. I, I think this is different. When you look at, at the printing press, when the printing press was invented, you had shortly after that the Reformation. 
there was a lot of instability that came from the Reformation. Well, that's a great point. And totally upending everything. Okay. I don't think social media will be the death of us. I do think it does create a lot of problems for us right now because we as human beings haven't figured out quite how to deal with it because it's so new. I think eventually we will, but new technology can create a lot of instability. What about these antisocial deranged people who sit there in total isolation. Yeah, no. And it's nobody a picks up on what they're doing, like the like the the woman out there in YouTube and many, many more like yeah, her. It's a problem. I mean you've had people like that before social media even existed, but you it does seem to exasper, exacerbate that problem. Exacerbate would be exacerbate, the word. Yes. Absolutely right. Um uh, listen, uh Chief, I'm coming to you on the phone, but you're looking at the text line, Yaffe. What do you see there? Yeah, one person said this, said uh, social media is probably going to be the death of a lot of people. That's assuming people continue with stupid challenges like eating Tide Pods and snorting condoms. Yeah, there's a lot of this stuff that's out there, too. I hadn't really thought about that particular angle (laughs) of it. Um, Let's go to Chief. Uh, You're in Cocoa. Welcome in from Brevard County, Chief. You're on Good Morning Orlando. Well, good morning. I hope you're all having a good day. We are so far enhanced by your presence. Go ahead, sir. Well, uh, the one thing uh, I'm, I kind of equate uh, social media problems to like uh, IA. It's not so much what it is, but how it's going to be used and the policies behind it. Flesh this out. IA, by that you mean? Artificial intelligence. Okay. It's, that it would has, be AI uh, then, wouldn't it? AI, yeah. Between trying to straighten out Yaffe's pronunciation and you going dyslexic on me, I'm having a hard time keeping up. Uh, Bud's being well, English professor to today. <laughs> I'll blame it on the first one. Go ahead, sir. Uh, even uh, like Elon Musk and, and uh, Hawking and Gates, a lot of these people are worried about artificial intelligence, not because of what it is, but the policies and how it's going to be used. And I think that's really the big concern we should have behind social media is the policies, how it's going to be used. There's no personal responsibility. With social media, what do you mean by that? Well, you can just say just about anything and, and, and nothing happens. You can say the craziest thing in the world and nothing happens. On the flip side of that, as I let you go, Chief, Yaffe, there are those who will say nothing embodies what the founding fathers had in mind. So many years ago, when they fashioned the First Amendment, the right to free expression. Yeah, I think he made some really good points there. I mean, one problem is not necessarily the technology itself, but who's in charge of the technology. You know, what they're doing with it could be a problem. Well, it's interesting. Take Facebook, for example. Uh, Zuckerberg is going to testify before Congress, and he's admitting to all kinds of things that they just never really thought about, never really dealt with in the way of um, of opening people who are Facebook users up to having, you know, their personal information sent somewhere else unauthorized by them. I mean, yeah. destroying what remains a personal privacy in this country. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Anything else on the text line, or is it fallen silent? Um, just uh, some people agreeing with the article, really thinking he, he was right on. Yep. It's um, an article by uh, Roger Simon. And, uh, Yaffe, you first brought it to my attention, actually. I'm not quite sure where it showed up. Do you remember? Uh, PJ Media. Yeah, that's uh-huh. where you want to go, okay, because he's been tied in with them. It raises an interesting question, and pretty profound and pretty provocative. Will social media ultimately be the death of us? Quite literally, of course, 
and I hate this because there are too many news stories that end this way, and that remains to be seen. But it does. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the news cliches. And that remains to be seen. All eyes are on Central Florida. (laughs) Really? Everyone, huh? Nobody's looking at anything else? Give me a break. Anyway... As Alan Spector joins us right now at the bottom of the hour news update, we have breaking news locally, and it is not good news. Go ahead, Alan. But the body of a missing Orange County woman was found overnight. 23-year-old Vanessa Coakley of Taft had been missing since last Saturday. Her body was found at a condo owned by a sometime boyfriend of hers. Her car was recently discovered outside Technical College, where the aspiring nurse went to school. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The search continues for the man responsible for a violent Central Florida crime spree. In the latest incident on Wednesday, the suspect carjacked a woman in the parking lot of a Petco on East Colonial Drive and North Bumby Avenue and robbed a Walgreens on Sand Lake Road where shots were fired but no one was hit. It's believed the same man's responsible for several other robberies and another carjacking last weekend in Orlando and Winter Garden. Police have released a composite sketch of the suspect which can be seen on the OPD Facebook page. Tampa police have arrested a road rage suspect who's accused of attacking a man because he was spitting at his BMW. 44-year-old Teddy Smith is accused of getting out of his car and stabbing 56-year-old Gilbert Cerna, who was a passenger in a pickup truck. Cerna later died. Police say it's an example of deadly violence over something stupid. Whenever you see a road rage incident, we all shake our heads and say, I can't believe that it amounted to all that um, and resulted in someone either being injured or losing their life. This is obviously a very extreme example. But yeah, our, our word to folks is if somebody does something that uh, that that really hacks you off, you just need to take a deep breath and, and, and just get home safely. Good advice from Steve Hegarty of the Tampa Police Department. You bet. Two former Winter Springs police officers were arrested yesterday on perjury charges. The FDLE says after an investigation revealed that officers Andrew Graham and Jason Castile lied about a city employee assaulting them, they were arrested. They'd already been suspended and recently resigned. Child advocates in Florida are launching a new campaign to get politicians to do a better job for kids. Florida's rank for the well-being of its children has been dropping steadily for a dozen years. Kurt Kelly with the Florida Coalition for Children says opioid abuse is flooding the foster care system. It is not just that kids were being removed because they were abused and and abandoned, but they were truly actually, in the old term, being orphaned. Their parents are now dead. If Florida really wants to take care of its kids, Kelly says the legislature will have to spend more on opioid abuse, foster care, child protection, prenatal programs, and mental health treatment. Virgin Galactic says it completed a successful test flight of a passenger spaceship. The Richard Branson Company says the Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 flew about 85,000 feet, it's about 8 miles, above the Earth yesterday. Actually, that's about 4 miles, isn't it? 85,000 feet? Yeah. Well, I wonder if 5,000 feet... I didn't know there was going to be math, bud. Uh-oh. Anyway, well, it was, you started it. It was way high. And flying at nearly twice the speed of sound, two pilots were in the spaceship that was airlifted by carrier jet about uh, several miles over the Mojave Desert. And the grand plan is ultimately to be, um, you know, hitting these high roller tourists, you know, for gazillions of dollars to have the uh, suborbital space experience, the weightlessness and uh, all of that good stuff coming up. Let me know how it is when you take the ride, bud. (laughs) I'll do it. Elsewhere, (laughs) elsewhere, bud. Yes, sir. Crazy scene in New York. UFC fighter Conor McGregor 
is now facing three counts of assault and one of criminal mischief after things got out of hand when he showed up at a UFC press conference. UFC fighter Felice Herrig talked to TMZ about the chaos. There's two fighter buses taking us back from um, media day from the Barclays Center. And all I hear is like just ruckus, like yelling and like, like big bangs. And it was like garbage cans being thrown. Video recorded yesterday shows Conor McGregor throwing guardrails at a bus carrying UFC fighters and smashing a window. McGregor surrendered to police a few hours after the attack. He'll be in court today. UFC President Dana White. This is the most disgusting thing that has ever happened in the history of the company. The incident followed White's recent announcement that he would be stripping McGregor of his championship belt due to his having left the sport to box with Floyd Mayweather Jr. last summer. I mean, this guy is the preeminent superstar in this increasingly popular sport. This is bizarre behavior. And I looked it up, assault charges, depending upon the degree, in New York, all of them can land you in prison. And we're talking years here, potentially. It Mm. is bizarre when you look at what he was doing. He went totally nuts. Yeah, speaking of bizarre, bud, someone else who might have thrown a chair or two in her time is making a comeback. Who's that? Tanya Harding. Oh, geez. Is joining the first all-athlete season of Dancing with the Stars. The skater. Harding fell out of the spotlight after being accused of hiring a man to injure rival skater Nancy Kerrigan ahead of the 1994 Winter Olympics, a story featured in the recent motion picture I, Tanya. Nancy Kerrigan's also familiar with the dance competition as she appeared on the ABC show last year. Olympic figure skater Adam Rippon and Olympic snowboarder Jamie Anderson are also joining the cast. Dancing with the Stars returns for its 26th season on April 30th. An amazing show. We love watching it. Alan, thanks. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And Alan Spector will be back with the news, as he always is, on Fridays, whenever it breaks. Top of the hour as well. Um, Stay tuned now. Every day, we move it around within our three hours to catch those of you who can only watch us at certain times. Listen to us, rather. This is radio, right? Um, We're talking about the Sound Judgment Game. Our winner today, and you're eligible to play if you haven't won in 30 days. Company rules, not mine. The Trump board game that everybody wants. We've got them. And free tickets to the amazing Florida Film Festival. We're playing Sound Judgment. Love to have you play if you haven't won in a month. 407-916-5400. 407-916-5400. Sound Judgment coming up next. We'll have that right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yaffe, time to give away some prizes to a winner on the Daily Sound Judgment Game. We've got not one, but two great prizes. Let's talk about them. That's right, bud. You can win a four-pack of tickets to see a film at the Florida Film Festival. It's happening at the Enzion Theater April 6th through the 15th. Now in its 27th year, the Florida Film Festival is an Oscar-qualifying festival premiering the best in current independent and international cinema And because we love our audience so much, we will throw in the Trump policy board game, which is a lot of fun. And by the way, if you don't win and you want to know more about how you can get the Trump policy board game, go to trumppolicy.net. Yep. And uh, you play that game, you'll find out uh, just who your friends still are, (laughs) as we say. (laughs) Right. There's nothing like it. And it's hard to get. And we've got them. By the way, you normally hear Steph um, giving us the prize rundown here, but she is off for a couple of days. She'll be back. We're ready to go. Can't wait to see how you handle this one. 
My wife and I are headed for the movies this afternoon to see Chappaquiddick, based on the true story of the late Senator Ted Kennedy's attempt to escape responsibility for a fatal car accident he caused. It happened in Chappaquiddick on the eastern end of Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Massachusetts way back in 1969. Now for today's sound judgment game, oh, don't hate me for this. I'm going to throw you a wicked curveball. Listen to some sound from the Chappaquiddick movie trailer, then use your sound judgment to correctly spell Chappaquiddick. What the hell happened, Teddy? It was an accident. I was driving. A story like this could dominate the headlines for weeks. Chief, we got a body. A dead body holds a lot of secrets. Those can be the difference between guilt and innocence. So we need to be in control of them. There's not a lot of senators that are charged with manslaughter that go on to become president. The trailer from the new movie, Chappaquiddick, to win our prizes, correctly spell Chappaquiddick. Line one, you're first up. Are you kidding me? C-H-A-P, Quiddick. I have no idea, but Now, okay, sorry, you're not our winner, but you could be. 407-916-5400, that line is open. Grab it. You can do this. Line two, take a shot at it. Spell Chappaquiddick. C-H-A-P-A-Q-U-I-C-I-P. Nope, sorry. Nope, you missed it. 407 916 5400, line three, spell Chappaquiddick. C-H-A-P-P-A-Q-U-I-D-D-I-K. No! You missed it. You were close. 407-916-5400 to grab the open line. So close. Line four, spell Chappaquiddick. C-H-A-P. P-A-Q-U-I-D-D-I-C-K. We have a winner. Yes. The other one missed the double D on the back end, which is the stumbling one. That would have gotten me, I got to tell you. Nice job. <laughs> How did you pick your way through that? Well, I have little kids, and you know that old trick back in the day where you clap your hands for the syllables? I'm not the syllables, but the uh, uh, to break up the word to spell it. So that's kind of how I did it. I'll be doggone. Well, terrific. You got a great staff of assistants helping you out there. Terrific. What's your first name, please? Pete. Pete, where are you calling from? Orlando. Wonderful to have you with us, son. Good morning, Orlando. That was a tough one. Nice job. Thanks. Hey, listen, when Yaffe gets a minute and he's doing everything in the control room in Steph's absence, you stay on the line. I'll put you on hold, and he'll make the uh, – the connection on those prizes. Enjoy the Trump game and the film festival tickets, okay? Great, thank you. All right, have a great weekend, Pete, and congratulations to you. That was almost unfair, wasn't it, Yaffe? Asking somebody to spell that Hey, word. we got someone who got it pretty quickly. And we did, go. absolutely right. We could have been here all morning and had to blow out the third yeah. hour of the show just to get the prizes away. <laughs> We're not going to have to do that. Be with us in our um, 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk about how monument removal madness could be about to go from bad to worse. Good morning, Orlando. It's 7.57. Alan Spector brings us the news on Friday, and he will be up here in just a moment to tell you more about President Trump now saying he knows nothing of a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels. 
Florida appealing an order to revamp its system for restoring voting rights to former felons. And more news as well coming up here in just a moment. Um, Yaffe's doing double duty in the control room. Stephanie and her girlfriend have invaded South Florida, and they're going to party through an extended weekend. Yaffe, did anybody put the word out to Fort Lauderdale that they were coming? No, I and they have not declared a state of emergency, which yeah. is just surprising. Somebody just... should have put them on alert. I'm, these two <laughs> together are combustible. They're out of control. <laughs> They're going to have a great time. We're just kidding. She'll be back on Tuesday. I'm going to be off on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. My wife, Linda, has a first of two knee replacements on Monday, and I want to be with her for the first three days. She's going to be better than ever, and she's just the right person to handle something like this. She is as tough as nails when she needs to be, and I love her so much. Good morning, Orlando. We're so glad you're with us here on a Friday morning at 8 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right now here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning a sad end to the search for a missing woman. We'll have details coming up in one minute. They always say, give the left an inch, they will take a mile. Now there's talk of tearing down every presidential statue in America. Stay tuned. We'll talk about it next on Good Morning Orlando. 803 on News Radio 1025. The body of a missing Orange County woman has been found. 23 year old Vanessa Jessica Coakley was last seen last Saturday. The sheriff's office says her body was discovered early this morning at the Sand Lake Courtyard condominiums near South Orange Blossom Trail and Sand Lake Road in Orlando. Her car had been found earlier this week outside Technical College where Coakley was a nursing student. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump is making his first comments about Stormy Daniels. Aboard Air Force One, the president told reporters he does not know why his attorney paid the adult film star $130,000 as part of a hush agreement. Well, you have to ask Michael Cohen. Michael's my attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael Cohen. The White House continues to deny President Trump had the affair with Daniels, whose real name is Stephanie Clifford. She claims it happened back in 2006, long before he was president, but after he had married Melania and she had given birth to his son, Barron. Parents are on alert in Orange County as deputies look for a man who tried to grab a 14-year-old girl from her bus stop near Edgewater Drive and Lee Road Wednesday morning. Fortunately, the Lockhart Middle School student was able to get away from the suspect, who is described as about 6 feet tall, 30 to 40 years old, with gray stubble in his beard. Parents worry he may strike again. The National Transportation Safety Board says a wing did indeed fall off a small airplane before it crashed in Volusia County Wednesday morning, killing both people on board. Deborah Roberts reports. Investigators shared the information at a briefing confirming what witnesses said they saw before the accident. The NTSB is now trying to determine what made the wing come off during takeoff near Daytona Beach International Airport. A student trainee from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and an FAA flight instructor died in the crash. Deborah Roberts, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi says she'll be asking an appeals court in Atlanta to overrule a federal judge in Tallahassee who's ordered the state to change the clemency process. Florida's system for restoring the voting rights of former felons has been described as a relic of the Jim Crow era, but Bondi says it's her job to defend it. We have been following the law. We firmly believe it is the law in the state of Florida, and we plan on enforcing the laws. Um, and that's what I do as chief legal officer of the state of Florida. So, yes, we are appealing it, and we will appeal it um, to the highest court. One in one-half million Floridians who've already paid their debt to society still cannot vote. 
and the clemency process can take more than a decade. Jordan Spieth is atop the leaderboard after the first round of the Masters. He shot a 6-under-66 at Augusta National, two shots clear of Tony Finau and Winter Park native Matt Kuchar. Playing his first Masters in three years, Tiger Woods opened with a 1-over-73. It was interesting. It was up and down for me today. I had uh, some opportunities to make some birdies and didn't do it. Um, I played the par fives very sloppily today. Tiger on ESPN. Defending Masters champ Sergio Garcia had an interesting day. Five of his balls rolled off the green into the water on the 15th hole, and he wound up with an 8-over-13 on that one hole. He finished his round at 9 over 81. It was painful in a way, but comical to watch him repeat the same shot and get the same result, and now no way to defend his Masters championship. It was uh, reminiscent of uh, the French golfer at the British Open. Maybe this is like maybe 20 years ago. Oh, I remember that guy. Kept going over the green, into the water, back and into the water, and it was just a mess. And yeah. He blew up. He had the thing won. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And uh, so he's, <laughs> that's all we remember that guy for. We don't even remember his name. Yeah, that's right. And unfortunately, Sergio Garcia will be remembered for this probably even better than last year's Masters Championship. I hate to say it, but I think you're right, Alan. WFLA News Time is 8.07. A wild video shows high winds ripping the roof off a school cafeteria in Kansas. Nobody was hurt, so you can watch it safely. That story is online at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Alongside Alan Specker brings us the news on Friday. The Budman here with Yaffe in the control room. And he's also uh, taking your calls this morning because Steph is away for a couple of days in R&R down in South Florida, as we were discussing. And if you want to reach out and uh, respond to this story that may sound far-fetched to you, but I believe is more of a clear and present danger than we might like to think, the potential removal of the statue of every single U.S. president across the land. 407-916-5400 is the number. The text line is 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. We'll get into that. We'll ask you right now, though, to stay tuned for your shot of winning your share of $480,000 in cash in our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. We had a $1,000 winner here in Volusia County a couple of weeks ago. Could be you next time. Listen now for the new key word of the hour. Then text that word at 200-200. And yes, you could be our next $1,000 winner. Why not? So that's coming up right after we update uh, that. We'll have an update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Any symbol from our past that offends sensibilities in modern-day America must be removed from view. This has led to monument removal madness across this country. And now, an interesting piece in the conservative Washington Free Beacon, tongue halfway in cheek but making a serious point, suggests that we're not too far from the loony left engineering an effort to remove statues of every single president of the United States anywhere they stand across this country because they did things during their tenure that somehow offended a minority or the current politically correct sensibilities of 21st century America, particularly those 
on the left. We've seen this go on with the Confederate monuments. And, and, and here is, when you talk about removing presidential statues, you say, well, that would never happen. Keep in mind, most of those statues stand in cities, major cities across this country. Most cities are ruled by Democrat politicians. Take a look at what happened here with the Confederate monument that had stood around the shore of Lake Eola in downtown Orlando for, more than, for about 100 years. Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer, who's a liberal Democrat, he decided one day that was offensive because that, that Confederate soldier was fighting for slavery, and it was offensive to African Americans in Orlando. He didn't even go through the city council. He just unilaterally uses mayoral powers, and he had the thing moved and removed to an obscure corner of a local cemetery. This is the kind of thing that can go on across this country. I can tell you this. Now they're going after statues, not only of people who might have been on the wrong side of slavery, but also those who offended Native Americans. They're going after, in Arcata, California, north of San Francisco, in the land of the lefties, a statue of then-President William McKinley, right around 1900 here. This guy was an abolitionist. He was all about ending slavery. He hated slavery, so he was just fine in terms of not offending blacks in this country today. But he had some policies that were pretty tough on the Indians. So now, offensive to Native Americans, McKinley has to go and the effort is on. Now, I am going to share with you here in a moment this piece from the Free Beacon making the case that there is not a single former U.S. president who has not committed a comparable sin against modern sensibilities that warrant a statue removal. Now, the first that I have on my list here, this is simple. All of these presidents own slaves. Any symbol, visible symbol of them, has got to go because it is most certainly offensive to modern-day blacks in America even though they were never alive when these people were president. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, James K. Polk, Zachary Taylor, Andrew Johnson, and Ulysses S. Grant, they all own slaves. Their statues have to go. And keep in mind, most cities are run by liberal Democrats. They could, they could, they, they could, they could, they could play the Buddy Dyer card and get these statues out. I'm not kidding. It sounds it sounds crazy, but it's not crazy. I'm sure this is where many on the loony lift would like to go. Left, I would like to take you through the rest of um of 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 all the presidents as to why they need to go. I can't do them all, but I will highlight some more. But those who own slaves, absolutely all symbols of them must be removed. Um but listen, even Abraham Lincoln needs to go, believe it or not, and I'll make that case as the left would make it here in a moment. We'll have that for you, and I will update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes as well on News Radio 1025 WFLA. With most American cities ruled by liberal Democrat mayors and councils, it's not far fetched to think that ultimately they could find a way to remove statues of every president of the United States because every one of them, you could make the case, has offended a minority or the sensibilities of politically correct modern-day America. Abraham Lincoln's statues need to go. Why? Because he ordered the execution of 38 Native Americans during the Sioux Uprising and the Dakota War of 1862, the largest mass execution in U.S. history. 
So, you know, Lincoln's on his way to free the slaves, but aha, we can get him because look what he did to those Indians. And it goes on and on and on. Teddy Roosevelt, his support of the forced assimilation of Indians. He needs to go. He said in one speech, I don't go so far as to think that the only good Indians are the dead Indians, but I believe nine out of every ten are. Gotta go. Woodrow Wilson, extremely, extremely racist, even by standards of the day, resegregated the U.S. government, etc. It goes on and on to almost all the modern presidents. I'm telling you, with the loony left in power in most major cities where most of the presidential statues are, the Washington Free Beacon scenario here is not altogether tongue-in-cheek. This is the kind of thing, if we're not vigilant, could actually happen. Mike in St. Cloud. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the show. You're on with the Budman. Good morning, Bud. Hey, let's just take this to its radical extreme. These progressives want to remove the president. I'm offended by Barack Obama. He reminds me of slavery. He always brought it up. We need to rename and erase Barack Obama Parkway. And then when we're done erasing Barack Obama, we go backwards. And well, I got to tell you, I, have to, I got to tell you, you have support from the left, but not for the reasons you You're cite right. on Obama. Listen no, to this. No, listen to me. Okay. They, they will want Obama gone, too, okay? Because in the Free Beacon article here, Barack Obama, when he came into office, was opposed to gay marriage, offending a minority. So was Reagan, Bush 41, Bush 43, and Bill Clinton. They all have to go. Any statues. So you've got support from the loony left, Mike. You didn't expect that, did you? Doreen in Orlando, good morning to you. How are you? Hello? Yes, you're on with a bud man. Good morning. Good morning, sir. It's besmirching the dead who had those statues already. You can't re-race history. And the second part, push it to the extreme. They'll want to tear it down for Mount Rushmore. I'm surprised it hasn't been sandblasted off the side of the mountain yet. Look at this. From left to right on Mount Rushmore, who do you have? George Washington, slave owner? Never mind, we wouldn't have a country without him. From left to right on Mount Rushmore. Thank you. And and tur- turn down. T- there you go. And listen through, listen through the phone. Uh, we have... Next to him, well, we have Thomas Jefferson, slave owner. Teddy Roosevelt, we just talked about him and those, what he said about the Indians. He has got to get off Mount Rushmore. And Abraham Lincoln, you know what he did to the Indians? Great with the slaves, you know, but, but bad with the Indians. Can't be offending any. I'm sorry, I can't even say Indians, can I, Yaffe? Native Americans. Yeah, we're going to remove any Bud statues now. (laughs) What's coming in the text line? Uh, One person says this, says, My grandmother was a Native American. I don't believe in removing history by taking down our statues. Um, Another person, though, thinks, Bud, that you are uh, being a conspiracy theorist with this. Really? I'm paranoid? Yeah, you're paranoid. You're not credible anymore. You're being a conspiracy theorist. Really? I'm not credible? Yeah. Really? Any threat to never listen to the show again? Is that there? No, no, that's that's not okay, there. Because that's the greatest promise that they will listen. <laughs> they say, well, I'm turning out to see what he's I, saying today. I don't know how what you're saying is conspiracy theory I because don't... we're seeing groups do this today. <laughs> California, they are trying to take down a statue of President William McKinley. He was on the right side of the slavery issue but he made some decisions that were tough on the Indians, okay? 
and and he needs to go as a result of that. Yeah, there's another college that wants to take down Thomas Jefferson. Yes, yes. I mean, it's happening in front of our eyes right now. Sure, (laughs) sure. I mean, you know, what what are we going to ultimately have to do here if we take it to its full logical extension? There is not a president whose statue would survive. There is not one on this list. Not one. I could have gone through them all. Read about it in the Washington Free Beacon. What are we supposed to do? Implode the Lincoln Memorial? Implode the Jefferson Memorial? Got to knock down that that Washington Monument. The earthquake almost took it down a couple of years ago, but we got to take that down. We cannot have these symbols honoring people who who own slaves. You know, we have one texter who I think makes a really good point. Says, I think being offensive is an excuse to remove them. What they really want is remove our history and completely change our country. Well, there's no question about that on the half, on the part of many in the left. It's not monolithic. There are people on the left who see things differently, have different priorities, but those people are clearly out there. You're right. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just telling you, take it to its logical extension. And if you don't think these statues can come down, you remember what Buddy Dyer did, not asking anyone's permission, and took out a statue of a Confederate soldier honoring those who fought for what they believed in and just had it removed from public view. He's exhibit A on what can happen. If you don't know what can happen, how can you guard against it? We're here to help you do it. Conspiracy theorist? I don't think so, but hey, you can think whatever you want. That's the beauty of our First Amendment freedoms we still have. Alan joining us again from the newsroom, as he does on Fridays, with the updates. And you brought us breaking news uh, during the show here. For folks just joining us right now, here it is again, and not the news we wanted to hear. Uh, The body of a missing Orange County woman has been found at a condo in Orlando. 23-year-old Vanessa Jessica Coakley was last seen last Saturday leaving Cypress Street in Taft. The sheriff's office says her body was discovered early this morning at the Sand Lake Courtyard condominiums near South Orange Blossom Trail and Sand Lake Road. At that location this morning, Orange County Sheriff Spokesman Jeff Williamson said a person of interest is being sought, 23-year-old Christian Penchy. Mr. Penchy was last seen driving a 2013 black Lexus license plate, Florida 735RQI. This is Mr. Penchy's residence. Mr. Pinchy and Ms. Coakley were, uh, had been in a relationship off and on for, I guess, quite some time now. We are looking for him. Williamson said this is an official homicide investigation. While Penchy is a person of interest, he is not considered a suspect at this time. Vanessa Coakley's car had been located earlier this week outside Technical College, where she was a nursing student. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Child advocates say there are some disturbing trends in the Sunshine State, so they're starting a new campaign to raise awareness among politicians and the public. The latest survey of child well-being ranks Florida as 40th in the nation, and Roy Miller with the Children's Campaign says it's been dropping for more than a decade. We have more children mired in deep poverty than ever before. Those numbers aren't improving. We have more families that are just one missed paycheck away from being in that situation themselves. So, yes, I mean, you know, Florida is struggling. Miller says it won't get better until Florida's politicians come up with more money for programs like child protection, foster care, mental health services, and prenatal programs. 
Forecasters are predicting the upcoming hurricane season will be an active one. However, it's not expected to be as bad as the brutal 2017 season. Colorado State University's Tropical Meteorology Project is calling for seven hurricanes, three of which could be Category 3 or higher, and a total of 14 named storms are possible. Of course, the Atlantic hurricane season begins June 1st. AAA is rolling out its prom season promise, an educational program aimed at getting the lines of communication open and clear between parents and students. Matt Nasworthy of AAA Florida says there's a compelling reason for this. A majority of teens say their friends would rather risk driving impaired then risk the wrath of their parents. We actually surveyed uh, about a thousand teens in our territory and found that uh, about 87 percent basically said, you know, their peers are likely to go ahead and drive impaired as opposed to calling their parents because they're afraid of getting in trouble. The effects of impaired driving can be tragic, and Nasworthy says they want to avoid the grim reports that come from every prom season. Elsewhere, bud. Yeah. A dog in North Carolina is a hero after saving a bear cub. Really? Boomer the Black Lab led his owner, Marvin Owings, to a very malnourished baby bear while the pair was hiking on Sunday. Owings said initially they didn't touch the bear, fearing the mother would be close by. However, when the pair returned to the area on their way back, they saw that the tiny cub was about 200 feet away from where it was initially found and was still alone. Owings then contacted a vet and the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission game warden who took the bear to a wildlife rehab center. Officials say the three-month-old cub is regaining some of its strength after being fed goat's milk. How about that dog? A real Boomer hero. the Black Lab is I a hero. I love that dog. I got one more animal story for you. Sure. An escaped camel is safely home, bud, after fleeing her owner's house in Louisiana. That doesn't happen too often. Bubbles the camel apparently escaped her owner's house. I mean, do you just assign names to these critters when you... Uh, these, this is what they're calling them, or is this what Alan's calling them? No, this is actually the name of the camel. Give me that again. Bubbles Go ahead, the sir. camel. Uh, Bubbles apparently escaped her owner's house <laughs> three times in an attempt to search for graham crackers. It seems... Uh, Who has a camel in the house? <laughs> well... P.T. Barnum didn't have a camel in his house. Well, see, here's the problem. Uh, Bubbles' owner says sometimes her neighbor gives Bubbles graham crackers as a treat. Oh, I see. So Bubbles broke out of the house yeah, sure. looking for some honey-made grams. They're hard to beat. Yep. <laughs> if you dunk them in milk, nothing better. I get that. A camel would get it, too. Witnesses say... Uh, witnesses saw Bubbles <laughs> wandering around a road in the town of Walker, Louisiana, on Wednesday. The owner says Bubbles' enclosure seems to be secure now following the breakouts. Bubbles, the camel, and the dog? Boomer, the black lab. Man, I'll tell you what, where else are you going to get this kind of stuff? <laughs> you're, as, you're as crazy as Deborah Roberts. I oh. love this stuff. No, I'm sorry. I That's can, not fair, is it? I, can, <laughs> I consider that a compliment, oh, there actually. You go. Alan, thank you so much. Alan Spector. With the news every Friday here in Good Morning Orlando, we have a great time. I think it's fair to say almost all of the Pulse nightclub massacre survivors joined me in feeling that they did not get justice when Nor Salman was acquitted. But they're, they're trying to get justice another way now. And I think it's very important and very interesting, and it indicates quite a change in thinking the route they are going. Now, even though a judge recently threw out uh, a lawsuit filed on behalf of these Pulse nightclub survivors, about 16 of them, by a lawyer up in Michigan, 
Uh, they have filed a new lawsuit just within the last day or two in um, the federal courthouse here in Orlando. And the Pulse nightclub survivors, listen to this, they have filed a suit against Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube's parent company, Google. Now, why would they do that? Well, in the suit, they say that these social media platforms that have allowed radical Islamic terrorist propaganda to appear and be viewed, ISIS propaganda to be viewed, and sampled by the likes of the Pulse nightclub killer Omar Mateen, and and, and, and in their view, and I think this makes a lot of sense to me, that this kind of availability of this material on these platforms allows people like Mateen to get agitated, to get fully radicalized, and then in some awful cases, like Pulse with 49 dead, to activate. Okay? And they, in the lawsuit, the Pulse nightclub survivors, are claiming that Google, Twitter, and Facebook aided, abetted, and knowingly provided support and resources to foreign terrorist organization ISIS saying that they carried out the June 12, 2016 terrorist attack in Orlando that killed 49 people and wounded 15 others, and that they helped Mateen get where he was to the point that he was willing to engineer the slaughter of as many Americans as he could. Now, why do I think that is so critically important? My guess is they're not going to win this, that a judge will throw it out, or that they will never succeed. But I think it's very, very important And the reason it is so important is, for the longest time, until we got a reality check with what came out in the North Salmon trial, this was viewed as a hate crime against gays. But it came to light that Mateen, we knew, had killed in the name of ISIS, but it wasn't anti-gay, that he didn't even know Pulse was a gay nightclub, okay? And that gay activists, listen, their story needs to be told about what happened, because a lot of gays died in that club. But the whole, that that needs to be told, but the rest of the story needs to be told, too. And there's been resistance to acknowledging that this was a radical Islamic terrorist attack, one of the worst ever, here in the city of Orlando. And with this lawsuit, you have survivors of the Pulse nightclub, many of whom, if not all, doubtless are gay, saying, we're going after these, these, these media platforms because they are the ones who presented radical Islamic terrorist material for Omar Mateen to view and to fuel his hatred. And that's a big change. Now we're getting some balance to the story of the Pulse nightclub massacre. What do you think? 407-916-5400 is my number. Give me a call or text me at 23680 to tell me whether or not you agree with me that in this respect, this lawsuit is most welcome. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic updated in two minutes here for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Good morning, Orlando. Final moments says on the screen this lawsuit is ridiculous. Pete, you're in Orlando. What do you mean? So here we go again. Too happy America. You know, anybody can bring a lawsuit up for anything. And they're looking for the biggest, deepest pockets that they can find now that they didn't get justice from this North Salmon deal, you know? 
Um, well, I listen, I don't think they're going to win it, but I think it's important that you have Pulse nightclub survivors acknowledging that this was not just a hate crime against gays, that it wasn't that, that it was a radical Islamic terrorist attack that happened to occur at a gay nightclub. Right. Well, that's fine. I mean, the thing that really irritates me is, OK, so, you know, they pulled their money together to, to do this uh, lawsuit. Is, is this the money that, you know, we as a society gave them? Uh, for donations to help them out after all this tragic, you know, stuff happened. Um, it's kind of sad. I mean, I don't know. It's just upsetting. All right, Pete, you're certainly entitled to your opinion, and I and I respect that. I, I just hope that it resonates with you and everyone who's listening here that this is an important change in thinking. We need now to move forward. We have a Pulse Memorial, which I support. I don't know what form it's going to take, but the full story needs to be told here, okay? And now you have Pulse Survivors who are taking legal action on the radical Islamic terrorist angle that had long been denied by gay activists and, frankly, just about everybody else. Hey, it's Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets. It's back. Your chance to win free movie tickets. you got to text them now. Just text RECORD to ATOM1. Text R-E-C-O-R-D to ATOM1. That's 28661 for your chance to win the Adam Tickets app. It's where you can buy, you can browse movie titles, buy your tickets, and all kinds of things. There is nothing else like it out there. We got lots of great movies out. The one Linda and I are going to see today is Chappaquiddick. And um, uh, there's no better way to connect to your love for movies than through Adam Tickets, okay? So text RECORD to A-T-O-M-1 for your chance to win Free movie tickets on Free Movie Friday. I'm looking forward to Chappaquiddick today. My wife and I are, um, and I'm told that it is a terrific movie. We're looking forward to see how they portray Ted Kennedy and the rest of the Kennedy clan. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it, so I'm definitely going to have to see it as well. I will give you a review. Yes, I, I like the Budman reviews. Ah, yes. There I depend you go. on those. There you, absolutely. Why not? Hey, listen, um... They say that a building is only as good as its foundation, and I think that's true with us. Our foundation is our feet, and when your feet hurt chronically, man, it impacts your entire life, doesn't it? And I know what I'm talking about. For Ever since I was a teenager until just a few years ago, I suffered from chronic foot pain. I didn't want surgery, didn't know how it would turn out. I went to the Good Feet store, and I became a believer. They have a unique three-step non-surgical solution to foot and related knee, hip, or back pain. I got a test walk that was absolutely free in the store, and I saw what they could do, and I was a Good Feet customer. I am wearing Good Feet supports as we speak. They are amazing what they do. Nobody else does it like the Good Feet store, and they offer you an absolutely free, no-obligation, personalized fitting, and they'll fit any shoe you've got. And they'll give you 20% off if you mention my name. Walk into the Good Feet store and say, Code Bud, 20% off. The Good Feet Store, just off I-4 in the Millennia Plaza near Target. Online, lots of information for you now at goodfeet.com slash Orlando. And when they open the store this morning, call Becky and her team and talk it all over. They'll tell you what they can do for you and have you in. 407-370-3338. 407-370-3338. Now, you don't have to suffer with this, this foot pain anymore. Live better, feel better, walk better. See them today. Say code BUD, save 20% at the Good Feet Store changing lives two feet at a time. I'll be off for a couple of days while my wife undergoes surgery. She's going to be fine. Thank you very much. Yaffe will be hosting next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you. God bless you and God bless America.